From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. We're in the book of of Ephesians, so grab your Bible and open up to Ephesians chapter 1. Every so often in our preaching calendar, we do what is called a deep dive into a scripture and study a book, and we're going through the book of Ephesians together. So grab that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. You ready? If you're ready, say, so ready. I heard somebody say that, so. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want to read that again. Actually, would you stand? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for worship. Thank you that we can come as a family and look to what you have said in scripture. And I pray, Lord, that our perspective would open this morning, that our heart and our soul, as Pastor Zoe already prayed, would be nourished through what you say, Holy Spirit, to us. I'm your vessel this morning, but let us all have ears to hear what you are saying in the room. So we bless your name, in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Story is told of a man who is near death. He's coming to the end of his life, and he says to the Lord, Lord, can I bring something with me? The Lord said, no. And so he pleaded with the Lord, please let me bring something with me. And finally, the Lord said, okay, you may bring one thing. And so he took his suitcase and he packed it full of gold, packed it full of gold. He passes away. He ends up before the angels, before the great white pearly gates or whatever they look like. I call them white pearly gates, but I've never been there yet. One day I will. And the angels say, well, you can't bring that in. And he said, well, I pleaded with the Lord and he said, I can bring it in. And they said, well, okay, if the Lord said so, then bring it in. By the way, what's in there? And he opens it up, and an angel looks at it and says, oh, it's just pavement. (laughs) The view from where you are located affects you more than you know. The view from where we are located affects us more than we know. It uh, It was birthday week in our home this past week. My birthday was on Thursday, Abigail's birthday was on Wednesday, so we had a lot of celebration, and um, we celebrated my birthday on Saturday, the past Saturday, because there's so much happening. We thought, my family thought it'd be great. Jody was like, we're going to make sure you still have time, which I was blessed by. So I woke up in the morning, and they showered me with cards, and one of the cards, I opened it up, and my son had drew a picture of me and him with muscles. And I thought, my son knows that I'm strong. Knows. And then as I looked at this picture a little bit harder, I noticed the hair. Now, from my perspective, as a tall individual, 
I may have some receding points, I'll be honest, but they come together at some location upon my head. They're there. They, they form a hole there, and you get the whole perspective when you are a taller height. But if you are shorter, and admittedly some people are like my son, perspective's a little skewed, to which you might see three distinct patches of hair <laughs> that don't come together. So I looked at him, and I said, what's with the hair? And he just laughed and laughed and laughed. The view from where we are located affects us more than we know. Whether it is a physical viewpoint. You know, for me, when I'm in a room that has no windows, I feel like I'm dying a little bit. Whether it's a physical viewpoint, whether it is a sense of our place in this world, maybe it's our well-being, where we are located or where we feel we are located has great impact. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you feel very lonely and you feel alone and you feel like you have no one. That has impact. Maybe you're listening and you work so hard and you look at your life and comparatively to others, you feel like you have nothing. That has impact. Maybe you think you just keep hitting roadblocks and barriers as you try to move forward in your relationships and there just doesn't seem to be a headway. That has impact. Maybe you live and you study and work in an environment that is truly atheistic, and that's weighing on you. That has impact. This was a sense the position of the Ephesian believers when Paul writes this verse, verse 3 of chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Here's what we know about Ephesians. Paul is writing this, uh, this letter to this church um, from prison in Rome. That's his vantage point. He's in chains. And he writes to this young church, which is likely six to seven years young at the time in Ephesus. Ephesus was a culturally diverse city. Center for trade. It was urban. There was a huge 24,000-person auditorium. It said that you could have whispered, and all 24,000 people would have heard you speak. City was deeply pagan. They were obsessed with magic and the occult practices. Worship of the Greek goddess Artemis was the heart of life. Artemis was the Greek goddess of fertility and protection. There was an enormous temple to Artemis. It's said to be one of the. It's not said to be. Was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Biggest building in antiquity. Economy was largely impacted by the manufacturing and selling of idols. Imperial worship was prevalent. There was a temple to Caesar where they worshipped him as the son of God. This was a very hyper-spiritual city full of worship of sexuality, money, and pagan practices. Paul arrives with his companions and they preach for two years and the church begins. There's this great revival we talked about a few weeks back and they burn their idols and they're called material and a giant big bonfire. Now, life for a Christian was hard in Ephesus, or at least for some Christians was hard in Ephesus. Following Christ meant that obtaining work may have been difficult because you were likely kicked out of the trade union. If you're following Jesus, you're not manufacturing idols, right? If you are not worshiping Caesar, if, or sorry, if you're worshiping Christ, you're not worshiping Caesar as the Son of God. 
So life as a Christian wasn't always easy, never mind all those other things that just come with being alive, right? Life is challenging. So Paul writes to this church, and he writes to the church, that our vantage point, what we think or where we feel we are, isn't always the whole story. There's more to our story. So let me read this verse again. And let's open up the curtain of life and maybe truly see the position from where we stand. Paul says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want to look at three terms this morning. Praise be or blessed in the heavenly realms and in Christ. The term praise be is elsewhere translated. Can you just leave that verse up there? Can you go back to the verse? Just leave the verse up there. Thank you. That, that term praise be is elsewhere translated in the New Testament from the Greek to blessed. When Paul says blessed us later on in the verse, that's the same root word for praise be. And it comes from a Greek word that's translating a Hebrew word, which means to kneel down and offer a gift to kneel down and offer a gift. Most words expressing worship in the Bible have particular actions. And bless involves hands and knees. When expressed in this scripture, and in most places, it it has the picture of kneeling down out of respect, opening one's hands and offering a gift. To bless God then is to come into his presence to kneel down out of respect, open one's hands, and offer a gift. If you ever wonder why people often kneel or open their hands in worship, that is how we praise or bless the Lord. We can't give God anything. We know this to be true. God needs nothing. He is self-sufficient. There's nothing you have that God does not already have, need, or require. In himself, he is enough fully self-sufficient. But we can bless God by giving him the only thing truly we can offer the supreme being, ourselves. That's the only true thing that we can give back to God that has any true meaning in our life because it's truly all of us. One commentator said it this way. He said, we could rephrase this verse this way. May it be that people come before the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ kneel, and with outstretched hands, offer their very selves. This is what Paul had in mind when he writes this verse. Now, the same root word is for blessed us. We bless and we praise God, praise be God, because he has blessed us. We kneel and we offer ourselves to God, who has kneeled and offered himself to us. God has come to us, to humanity, as Christ, the Son of God, in the form of a servant, as man, and knelt before us out of love for us and offered himself on a cross for us as a gift. God has blessed us. The greatest gift that God has given is his Son on the cross for us. And everything else in him that comes with being in Christ, God has given us to make us who we need to be in him. So this phrase is something that Paul as a Jew likely had in mind or 
probably heard most of his life when he read the scriptures or heard the scriptures being read from Numbers chapter 6. Verse 24 and 26, you've probably heard this spoken at some funeral or some service. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Paul likely had that in mind. He's heard this all his life as a Jew as he writes, praise be and blessed us. I was reading from Daryl Johnson. Most of what we share throughout this series is by the work of Daryl Johnson. Daryl Johnson is a scholar and, and a pastor and professor. And he's, he's very quickly becoming someone when he writes something, I want to I hear what he has to say. This is the book he wrote he, on Ephesians, a commentary. It's called The Wonder and Walk of Being Alive in Christ. And he said, you could look at this verse from Numbers this way. This is his paraphrase. May the Lord get down on his knees before you and stretch out his hands to gift you. That is why he can keep you. He has come close to you and he stretched out his hands to take hold of you. The Lord make his face shine on you, not from a distance, but because he's right in front of you, kneeled down. With hands stretched open, the Lord lift his countenance on you. Since he's kneeling, he may have to look up. That's the God that we serve. You know, often people have this picture of God as some far off distant being that's not close, personal, or intimate with his creation, yet the God we serve, the God of the Bible, is. In fact, if we go further and deeper into the New Testament, I was talking with my son on the way here about the Trinity, the Trinity, Trinity. And I was trying to explain to the seven-year-old what the Trinity is. Because we were talking about how the Father, he said this, the Father sent the Son to be with us. God is Emmanuel, right? Christ came, knelt before us, took the cross for our sake. But when Christ ascended to heaven, he sent who? The Holy Spirit, not to be around us, but to be in us. The God we serve is intimate. The God we serve is close. The God we serve is with you, near you. So when the Lord blesses you and keeps you, it's because he's right there with you. The God we bless, the God we praise has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that comes with being a son and daughter of the King of Kings. And we bless God only because he's blessed us. Now we say where? I don't know about you, but sometimes circumstances of life, situations come and it doesn't feel like a blessing. It feels very difficult, very challenging, very hard. It's hard to see a blessing when you see around you challenges. Well, Paul says it's in the heavenly realms. Other, other translations, your translation, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, may say heavenly places. Notice the plural form there. Paul uses this five times in the letter to Ephesians. And this is where he begins to really open our eyes to the cosmology of Jesus, to that greater vantage point, pulling back that curtain to see that in Christ, our viewpoint is different than where it appears to be. In Christ, our vantage point is different than where it appears to be. Most of us have a very simple view of reality. We see life in only a couple dimensions. The first is our self, right? Our ego, our person. The second is our environment and all that comes in the environment. 
the physical space, you know, the universe, and other persons. Those are the dimensions of reality in which we perceive life. And while a lot of us confess to knowing about or believing in other dimensions of reality, in practice, most of us only live out from these two dimensions, everyday itself and my environment. But for the biblical authors, there was more. There was the self, there was the ego, there was the environment, right? There was other persons. There's also God. And there's also the heavenly places or realms. Fun nerdy fact. For those of you who are not nerds and you don't like science-y stuff, you can close your ears for just a split second. For those of you who relish in this stuff, this is for you. We can perceive three dimensions of reality, right? Length, width, depth. But um, mathematicians actually suggest and theorists suggest that there are actually 10 to 13 dimensions of reality that mathematical equations can be written for. End of nerdy stuff. When Paul is speaking of the heavenly places, he's not speaking of somewhere up there. That's very rudimentary thinking. God is up there. Heaven is up there. There is the heavens in the sense of the sky and the universe. But he's speaking of another layer of reality that intersects with our own. Jesus is alive in person in that layer of reality. Jesus is seated on the throne in the heavens in that reality. We are made alive in Christ in that layer of reality. We are seated, the scriptures say, with Christ in that reality. And in Christ, We are in that reality. Let's pull back that curtain on our vantage point. See that our view is actually deeper and wider and higher than it is. It's not far away. The heavens, the heavenly realm is not far away. When you die, you do not go off far away to the heavens. It's a created spiritual place that overlaps with our physical reality according to scripture. When God made the heavens and the earth, he made the physical space, right? He also made the spiritual place. He made the, that kind of rhymes. He made the spiritual place. He made the physical place. I could do a rap off of that. I'm not going to because I don't rap. It would be very bad. Since this is a created space, God does not need this space. God does not need heaven to exist. And that's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around because when we think of anything, we think of physical space. For something to exist anywhere, there needs to be a physical plane on which it can exist. God does not need that. God was always in existence. He created physical space for physical beings and spiritual space for spiritual beings to exist. And like earth, the heavenly space that has has been affected by sin. God has not been affected by sin. But the space has, by spiritual beings, we call them fallen angels or demons in the scripture. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 says, and there was war in heaven. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but forces of darkness in the heavenly spaces. What happens there impacts here, but get this, what happens here can impact there. We don't talk about that one enough. We say what happens there impacts here, but we forget that what happens here impacts there. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, 
sending them out two by two to go into every town, every place that he would go ahead of him. And they returned super stoked, super excited. And they said this, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Even those spiritual beings beings and those fallen places, fallen beings in those spiritual places submit to us in your name. To which Jesus replies, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What they did as they went out in the authority of Christ to cast out demons affected that spiritual space. What they did here impacted how the enemy moves there. So Paul from prison, he's in chains for the gospel, is praising God for God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. There is more than what you can see with your physical eyes and what you can't see, what exists there is greater, is greater than the temporal material that you can see here. I know this is getting maybe a little deep. But what you can't see, what exists there is more than the temporal that you can see before you. And if I could just wrap my mind a little bit more around this truth and this reality and set my soul in that kind of thinking, then it shifts my view. You tracking with me? And therefore, shifts the effect my view has on me. No longer do I just see the layer before me and the circumstance before me, but I know that there is more than this. And my vantage point, though this circumstance may be challenging, is higher because I am seated with Christ in the heavenly space. Paul, from prison, people, from prison, can praise God, can come into the presence of God, can kneel, open up his hands and worship God and simultaneously call a church to do the same and command them as you read through the Ephesian letter to live for Christ because his view is from the heavenly space, not from his earthly position. You know, here you may feel lack, but there we're told we sit with Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Here you may feel powerless. There you have power and authority in Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. For those of you taking notes. Here you may feel voiceless. There your prayers are heard and are effective. James chapter 5, verse 16. And the impact here. Here you may feel empty. You may feel lonely. You may feel separated. There you are in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 3. And therefore, here, if that's there, here you are in Christ. Here your prayers are affected. Here you have power and authority, and here you sit with Christ. Because what happens there impacts here. How, Paul says, in Christ. Praise be. There's that aspect of kneeling and coming, offering a gift to God 
and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, knelt down and offered himself in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We cannot make true sense of our lives without being in Christ. We experience every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Paul is in Rome in jail. The Ephesians are in Ephesus in all sorts of different circumstances, but also Paul and the Ephesians are in Christ, and so are we. If you, if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus and you are walking with the Lord and he is your Lord, you are in Christ. We are still in our community and we are still in our circumstances. And when you walk out these doors and you go and you face life, that's all going to be there. That still exists. Some of those things feel blessed and some do not. That's not the whole story because we are also in the heavenly realms in Christ. Paul uses this term 36 times in Ephesians, in Christ. In Christ. It has two meanings behind it. The first is because of Christ. That's the more natural probably reading of it, because of Christ. We are chosen before the foundations of the world because of Christ. We are adopted because of Christ. We have been redeemed and forgiven because of Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit because of Christ. We live and move and have our being in him because of him. We are blessed even though our physical location and circumstances may say otherwise. We are blessed in the heavenly realms because of Christ. But then in Paul's mind, there is also the location in Christ. There is a difference between believing in God and being in Christ. There is a difference between believing in God and walking with Jesus. Jesus said it this way, abide in me and I in you. He said as a prayer to the Father, this is eternal life that they know you. There is a difference. People assume because they're born into a church, maybe go to church on Sundays, maybe even tithe, hmm. that they're in Christ. When you speak to a lot of people, they'll say they're Christians. I was baptized as a baby. Yeah, I got dedicated. I go to church sometimes. Oh, this is my church. My church is in the forest. The forest talking to you? I shouldn't say that, but I did. My grandma taught me about church and about Jesus. I got her Bible sitting in my house somewhere. I went to a Catholic school. I believe in God. Are you sure it's this one? Because the enemy I know is very deceptive and masquerades in my scriptures as an angel of light. Which means if he can deceive you into believing that you believe in God when you really don't, and that you are blessed when you're really not, and you are in Christ when you're really not, then he will do so. I've said this so many times. We get this Hollywood picture of Satan like he's this red-looking ugly thing with a tail and it's got a pointy end to it so he can stab you and he's got a pitchfork. What a true deception when that's not what he looks like at all. And that's not how he masquerades. He's so deceptive that he's got people to say that they believe in God when he's like, you really believe in me? 
Because those things, all those things that I mentioned and things like that doesn't mean that you're in Jesus. Just because you are sitting in a chair at Parkway Church every Sunday doesn't mean that you are in Christ. Just because you listen to me or listen to others on a podcast doesn't mean you are walking with him. I can know so much about my wife. We can live in the same house, house, sleep in the same bed, raise the same children, and not be in relationship. I can know her back, front, and center. I could tell you everything about her, more than you would ever know. Doesn't mean I have a relationship with her. It means I know about her. Doesn't mean I'm walking with her. You get, you get the difference? And so in just the same way that I need to, we need to make sure that in our marriage and in our relationship, there is relationship. There's a, there's a, there's a give and a take. There's a coming together. There's a walking together. There's an intimacy there. It's the same with Christ. What does Jesus say as a, as a picture of the end of time when he separates the sheep from the goats? Right? He says that there will be many who say, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Wait, so they walked in anointing in his name. Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? He's like, I didn't know you. Which tells me, church, that you can have gifts from God, anointing, be used in miraculous ways, and not walk in Christ. Because God didn't create you so you could do things for him and know about him. He created people to be in relationship with him. The triune God who perpetually and forever in eternity past existed in relationship, wanted to share his love, and so he created people to share in his love. Somebody asked me for the purpose this morning to be known by God and to know him to know his love and to love him in return. All that other stuff is the after effect. Coming to church, gathering, having fellowship, serving, using your gifts and talents for his kingdom. In the same way that I can serve my family and I can help my family and I can help my wife and I can do things, I can buy it, that doesn't necessarily build the relationship or the intimacy. That's not the main, those are the after things. There's a difference. To be in Christ means to walk with Jesus, to live for him, to love him to the point of prison and death in Paul's mind. Is that you? I invite the worship team to come. So Paul is calling the Ephesians and us who are in Christ to take note of the view from which we view life. There's more to this picture you know, maybe you focused on the wrong part of your picture. You know, whatever your circumstances, maybe you've fixed your gaze on that, and sometimes it's very hard not to. We live in a physical reality. Maybe you've given too much weight to temporal things. Maybe you've forgotten that there's more dimension to the created order than yourself and the environment. So, what do you do? You change your perspective. Two ways. Number one is renew your thinking. Here's how Paul put it in Romans. 
He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We know this, right? You want heavenly perspective, then stop conforming to the ways of the world. That's a sermon series in itself. But here's a generality. If the world glorifies it, don't. Be skeptic. If the world desires it, don't. Don't do as the world does. Do not conform. Do not become like. Do not get into the pattern of the world, society, the, the life that exists outside of God. Do instead as Jesus and the apostles would do. What did the early church do? They dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, to coming together in fellowship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that word renew can also mean repent. Repent of your wrong thinking. Maybe you're here and you're listening and maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've had a pattern of wrong thinking and you need to repent. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you on what that is. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus, you never walk with you. Maybe you're listening online right now and you, you've never committed to Christ, but something is stirring you right now. Repent and turn to Christ. Repent means to do a 180. I'm walking this way. I'm no longer walking this way. I'm walking towards him, not from him. To be an apprentice of Jesus means to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he would do. So renew your thinking. Number two is shift your posture. Physically shift your posture when I say that. I mean, practice the worship form of the word bless. Physically practice the worship form of the word bless. Come before his presence and kneel out of reverence. Out of reverence. Come before Christ in worship and get on your knees, those achy, breaky knees, and kneel. Open up your hands as a form of thank you for him who did the same for you. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this this week, how challenging that is for us. How, how challenging is it for you to kneel in a worship? Like physically kneel, I'm talking about. And some of you are like, if I kneel, I'm not getting back up. Well, I know a miracle working God who heals the lame. But isn't it interesting that that's very difficult in our pride to do that, yet we serve a God the sovereign, the supreme being who did that for us. It's almost like in our pride, we flipped the roles and we placed ourselves in this position to be worshiped by God as opposed to come and worship God. Yeah, you can come, Lord, and you can, you can come down, bow down before me. And you can go to the cross for me. You can take a whip on your back and a crown of thorns and you can take persecution for me. Thank you, you've done that. You want me to kneel in church? That's asking a lot. You were nailed to the cross? Absolutely. You want me to get physical in my worship? Oh. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying the Lord is saying commands you to do that. But if your attitude is, I won't, yet yeah, you can, maybe you need to check your heart. 
Maybe we need to check our heart. How far am I willing to go for my Lord? What am I willing to do for my Lord? Because I know what he did for me. Father sent his son. I've said it before. I wouldn't send my son. I love them too much. I love them more than you. And I'm not giving them up for you. And I'm not telling them to go across for you. I pray that they would serve people in such a way that they would go to a cross for them. But as a father, I'm protecting them. But I know a heavenly father who sent his son to take a cross so he can bear your sin. So if you want to change your perspective from an earthly one to a heavenly one, maybe, maybe, just maybe practice the posture of coming and kneeling before a king because it's recognizing your place before him and it's recognizing who he is. It's recognizing what he's done. What does Paul say? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He's come here to us. He's knelt down in our presence out of love for us, given himself for us, offered of himself for us. We could easily do the same. So here's my invitation this morning. The team's going to lead us in a song of worship. We're going to sing a song again. And my challenge for you is to come and kneel or kneel at your spot. And if you're like, my knees are going to break, let the Spirit lead you. There's going to be no judgment. But I know there's a few people in the room that would help you get back up if you so needed. But do something that requires you to change the posture of your heart towards a king who sacrificed himself for you. So Paul in prison can say very easily, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Where? In the heavenly spaces with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So I'm going to pray and then the team's going to sing and then I want to invite you to come and worship. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus for us. Lord, you came and you took a cross for us. And so we bless you. Lord, we bless you not just with words, but in a moment, God, we bless you with action. And Lord, I pray that you just stir every heart here. Maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you, Lord. It's not in Christ. I pray that you'd stir them towards yourself as only you can. Lord, maybe there's many of us who have drifted a little bit farther than we'd like to admit. But your conviction right now is calling us back home. God, help us to repent and be transformed. God, we offer ourselves to you this morning as a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.